I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Piotr Pensky? Welcome back to the front three. It's me, Adam Boltwood. It's Lawrence McKenna. Hi. And Dave O'Brien. Good evening. Uh, is anyone else anyone else hot? Do you feel hot, guys? Has anyone told you it's hot right now in, in England? It's warm. Yeah, it's warm. I'd say ever. I'd say there's one thing that everyone in England always goes. They always go down that route where they just go, "Oh, hot, isn't it?" If we're getting better weather than Spain here, we're getting better weather than Spain. And you're like, well, it's not better, is it? It's just hot. It doesn't make it better. Yeah, Costa del Hackney, etc. But um, no, it is too hot here. It's yeah. uncomfortably hot in London. Sticky, muggy. Lads, lad, you need to move up north. It's far. I'm comfortable. Is it not 35 uh, degrees oh, up in Manchester? I, I, don't, I don't know why. For some, Because I'm, I'm on the 24th floor. It's fine. Really? Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I've got the windows open and that's it. Don't need a fan, nothing. Wait, the 24th floor, are you in the penthouse? Uh, two off the penthouse, Lawrence, obviously. Two off. Two off 26, the penthouse. Yeah. Wow, you're the Manchester United of that building. No, no, you see, if I was the Manchester United, I'd probably be sitting around mid-table Europa League, you know what I mean, Lawrence? Well, we will come on to Manchester United and their Europa League run. We're also going to be talking Bayern Munich. Can anyone stop them in the Champions League? Do Barcelona have a chance? But first off, we have to talk Juventus. Because, of course, Dave Maurizio Sarri sacked on the weekend after the old lady crashed out of the Champions League at the hands of Lyon. It's a bit unfair to call him an old lady. He looks like an old lady without a wig on, <laughs> yeah. but that is not fair on him. Um, but obviously deemed an unacceptable result by such a story club as Juventus. They did win a ninth consecutive league title under him. But it did feel like the appointment never quite worked, Dave. It, it was never quite a, a right match of manager and club. No, I think he needs a, a club that likes philosophy, an Ajax, mm. a Barcelona, not a Juventus that need to win every single year and need to win every single trophy that they're in. I think it's that was a mismatch. I think the the appointment was an interesting one. I think the Chelsea spell showed that maybe he's not quite right at the top top level. That his tactical side of his game takes a few years to implement, and that these clubs don't have the patience. And I don't think it's anything to do with Sari. Look, you know. Napoli were unbelievable. Like we forget how good they were. We because we've seen the Chelsea side be so boring. We've seen this Juve side. I haven't watched Juve properly for like a year. I, I don't. I don't even. I don't want to spend my time watching a Sarri team that's not developed. Like it's it's awful. It's boring. And I think that's the problem is that you need time to 
get his style is adjust. You need the right players. I take that Juve midfield, Bentacore, Ramsey, Matuidi, or whoever you want to put in. There's not one ball player in there. Mm. Pjanic, who's just I don't know what I don't know what's happened to Pjanic. He's just given up. He well, sacked it off. Given up and gone to Barcelona. He's retired, early retirement. But like this Juve team is is awful. Juve is a winning club, and that's why Sari didn't fit. But it seems like quite a difficult decision to understand to bring him in in the first place. Then Lawrence, if you need that time to sort of build a squad that's that's adept to his style of play, if you're not going to do that or give him the time to do that, it does seem even more puzzling, doesn't it? I thought that because, I, I mean, as soon as you see Ronaldo entering that team and then you see Sarri going in, you do think there is a problem here because they're trying to mix two very different kinds of philosophy, is it fair mm. to say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, but you're seeing guys getting towards the end of his career and is thinking, OK, let's win everything under the sun before I have to leave. Mm, do I really have the time to develop this system? Yeah. I, I guess that's kind of the, the problem is the industry is very cutthroat and some people are quite harsh. And I, and I think he was treated very similarly at Chelsea, where it was a bit like, look, we don't have time for any of this nice stuff. Are you going to win it or not? And it's a bit like, well, ultimately, football's not just about the winning, is it? It's about enjoying it. And, you know, people, you've got to, I think to some extent, you've got to it's kind of sit, sorry, it's like a, a cigar. You can't just sort of sit there and just puff, 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 puff. You've got to sit there and you've got to let it ferment a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that metaphor. But you've got to lick the end, Boltwood, is what I'm saying. Lick <laughs> so the end. Speak, the, right. It does seem like the top clubs in Europe, though, they don't want to lick the end, as it were. They don't want right. to ferment. It's so true. It's so <laughs> true. Yeah. Because increasingly, you see, the league just isn't enough for these super clubs. Obviously, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Madrid, PSG. Obviously, what they cover is the Champions League. It's not good enough to simply dominate your domestic league for years. I mean, you have to win the Champions League, Lawrence, or, or you're sacked. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I think, part of the, I, like I say, I think there are too many players at that club who are thinking, okay, I just don't have the time for this. I need someone who's going to come in, put in a basic system, play to my strengths, and we're going to win because they all believe in their ability rather than their tactical uh, ability. They didn't have the right, uh, the right shape of squad. They didn't have the right people in there to play. I, I'm still... I, I've watched... a maybe I think about 10 Juventus games over the last year uh, all the way through just because I thought let's try and make the most of Serie A and Quadrado is a frustrating player to watch under uh, under Sari. a number of players became very frustrating players to watch because there were simple things that they just weren't doing that needed to be done and it, it sort of pissed me off to watch them because they almost didn't sometimes they just didn't look like they were trying and at that point he lost the dressing room and that and that, I think, is where his critics come in and go, well, you know, it takes full buy-in. But, I mean, we could be telling a similar story about someone like Jurgen Klopp or uh, I know Klopp's maybe a slightly more compelling character, but it takes full buy-in from the players. And don't forget, the best managers in the modern age have all praised Sari as a fantastic manager. They all guys terrible to play when he's at his best. I think it was Pep Guardiola before he faced this Liverpool team who said Napoli is the best team he's faced in his career. Mm. What's the logic then behind Andrea Perlo, Dave? Is it as a facilitator to get the best out of these players? I mean, you, you can see why they hide him in the sense that he's obviously a club legend. Obviously, he's got that that sort of style over substance batch. He's obviously got zero defeats in his managerial career. I mean, it was only 10 days long Unbeaten. as the under 23 manager. Yeah, but you can't argue with zero defeats, Dave. You can't. No, you can't. The stats don't lie, Boltwood, as they say in the trade. <laughs> 
I think the, the interesting side with Pirlo is that, number one, he understands Juve. He understands the players. You know, he has the ear of Benucci. He has the ear of the dressing room. It's it kind of that could be a benefit, but it could also be a negative. Like, are those players going to fully respect him as a manager now? Like, he's not he's not a teammate anymore. He is their manager. They have to respect him like he is the boss, the jefe. But I think the interesting side is what, what came out of uh, Holland yesterday or the day before. They were talking about how Pirlo had, had gone and and, and uh, gone to Holland and, and he loves Dutch football and the philosophy behind it. And he wants to build a project at Juve that's based on young players who can develop a dynamic system based on ball possession. He analysed AZ Alkmaar, who are very, very good at the moment, and Ajax as well, another yeah. very, very good side in Holland. So that's the interesting side. That that, that, that is what Sari in an ideal world, that's kind of it. You know, a dynamic system that's based on ball possession. So they're kind of going from, if this is Pirlo and this is what Pirlo will bring, kind of going from the same boat across. And with someone that's got no real experience at this level, it will be player-led. And I think that'll be the side of it, that it might be player-led. And that could go of well, you know one of two ways. That could go really badly, but it could, it could also go really well if they, they up their levels. Because again, like you're saying, you don't massively need someone to come in and do a sari. Because how they've been coached under Allegri, how they've been coached under Conte, you basically need someone to come in and say, look, this is what we're good at. This is what we've done previously. Let's go back to this. Let's go back to that and take those key you know, principles of our side. Let's go back to playing a back three. Let's go back to playing two centre forwards. Let's go back to being aggressive. Let's go back to being a horrible team to play against. You know, that's the foundations of this Juve team over the last 10 years. And that's why it's such a weird polar, you know, we always talk about that polar opposite, you know, going from defensive football to attacking football, like, or possession football to counter-attacking football. That's what, you know, Juve's probably more in that counter-attacking defensive bracket. Them, the Sari project, obviously, they've not stuck with, so they will revert back to what they know. And it's if Pirlo can, de- can develop that forward. It is interesting to hear that influence that you speak of, Dave, from Dutch football, because that's almost the most justification I've heard for Perlo getting this job. I mean, it doesn't seem to me is the answer to Juve winning the Champions League. I mean, does this does this make sense to you, Lawrence? You know me, Bolwood. I love other sports as well. I'm not just a football man. Of course. Um, although I am very much a football man. Um, and I know that there are other... Um, there are other ways of running a team in the modern age. And some of that is to, like Dave says, be player-led. But if you go to the NBA, then you see a few players who are so powerful uh, that they have a lot more control over the team than maybe some people would like. And I think LeBron James has that in uh, in LA. Uh, I think Kevin Durant has that in the Brooklyn Nets. But the point is that that means they get to appoint the coach. That means they go, this is the philosophy we want to play. This is our guy. This is the guy that's going to unify the team. And if you have alpha males like that in your dressing room, it, it, can, it can blow up in your face, uh, but it can also motivate a side. And I think a lot of people are looking, probably looking at people like LeBron James and going, well, he gets to pick his backroom staff. He gets to tell the, the coach, I want to play this way, play to my strengths. And I can see someone like Ronaldo going to Juve and going, look, I mean, you know, you've got a couple of years. I'm a great commercial prospect. I'm currently the face of this side. You don't really have anyone else that you can market globally. The kits not great right now. Um, you know, we need something good. Get Pirlo in. We'll play the way that we need to. We, we've got a man that we can respect. Uh, a World Cup winner, a Champions League winner, uh, a Serie A winner, uh, an MLS reject. All of these things 
are perfect. What I quite like about Pirlo as well is the fact that he technically, unbelievable, one of the best ever. It feels like players respect technical players a lot more than untechnical players as managers. Zidane. Take Zidane, take Guardiola. Because they can do it. Lampard. They can do it on the training ground. They can do. They can perfect what they're telling people. Mark Hughes. <laughs> you're being silly now, Boltwood. I mean, Steve, Steve, they, Bruce. They, they walk. Stop they it. walk the walk. Is what you're saying. Kenny Dalglish, yeah. to be fair, yeah. Kenny Dalglish back in the day before he, you know, the whole T-shirt. Yeah, thing. yeah, that was a bit of a problem, wasn't it, Lawrence? But let's just brush that under the yeah. carpet of Liverpool's recent history. Well, we're not trying to, Dave. That's why I'm mentioning it as a Liverpool <laughs> fan. <laughs> but like, you go to a training pitch, right? And and there's a drill. You're doing a drill, you're doing a passing drill, you're doing, you know, working it from one flank switch out to the side. And the centre midfielders mm-hmm. are working that switch. Right foot, left foot hitting the switch. Pirlo could do both of that. Could, it can hit him perfectly with both feet. You know, you're showing them exactly how to do it, using that experience. And I, I do think there's definitely a level, at like this top, top level, that you have to have the respect to the players by sometimes showing and sometimes doing. I see what you're saying there, Boltwood. I get that point where, where basically... This is a guy who's coming in to level the ship, sort of stop rocking it, make sure that everything's all right. Sorry, was probably quite an experience for those players. Quite a few people pissed off. You got a guy who can come in. He can go, look, let's sit down. Let's have a bottle of wine together. Let's chill out, relax. Look, things are going to be all right next year. We're still going to win the league because everyone else is miles behind us. And <laughs> we've got a chance in the Champions League because we've got Ronaldo. It, you know, It's just it's interesting. I mean, as Dave says, it's like, is it that? aspect of being able to, to walk the walk, not just talk the talk, as you mentioned with Perlo, sort of knowing the club and understanding the the traditions and the values. Because obviously right now it's almost like we're seeing an old football manager sim come to life where all these club legends are taking over, Lampard at Chelsea, right. Solskjaer, Arteta. There is this sort of trend for hiring in, you know, the story players in your club's history who maybe don't have the CV to back it up. Obviously, it's the Dan and Guardiola are the ideals. But I mean, look at look at look at everyone else in Italy. I mean, you know, Ancelotti was a player that came through. I think you know they're looking at there's there have been plenty of players who have gone on to become managers. It's just that I think we're so far removed, and we now know these people as old men that we go well, you know. Let's not forget, you know, Conte is an incredibly successful manager considering, and I, I don't really think he's incredibly successful in terms of what he's won, but also in terms of the impression that he's left at so many clubs. And I think there's so many managers that come through Italian football, and you've got to say, Pillow's probably gone through uh, the name of the uh, the school in Italy currently escapes me, but um, the, you know, the, the Italian school of, of football managing finishing, he's probably written his dissertation, et cetera, et cetera. So he's proven himself in a lot of Italian people's eyes. and. You know, we're forgetting that, that a lot of, uh, basically, previous generations come through to be this generation. But, Dave, these previous managers maybe would have plied their trade at lower league clubs, etc. We're seeing, like, Arteta walk into the Arsenal job, having previously been an assistant manager at Manchester City. Lampard, obviously, one season with Derby in the Championship. There is this just interesting trend, I think, where I don't think you would argue or would have argued previously that they're justified in getting these jobs and would be able to do a good job. Whereas now we're sort of seeing, I mean, for the most part, they seem to have seem to have worked out, albeit it's too early to judge in, in many cases. Yeah, seem to have worked out. I think there's I think you, so there's, there's so much different level of success in those names. Like Gattuso mm. is a great example. Gattuso wasn't great at the start of his managerial career. I thought he was quite poor. But now he's starting to really look like a good manager. 
and he's still very young and he's had quite a lot of miles already. He's had more miles than Pirlo and that's the interesting side that Gattuso's kind of worked the jobs, worked hard, gone through. Similar to his playing days, right? What Pirlo, the, the most gifted midfielder we've ever seen in European football or one of. Then you've got Gattuso that literally is just there because he's dogged and can tackle. And that's kind of how we've seen their, but you know, seen both of their careers so far is that Pirlo has just been thrust in straight at the top. And Gattuso has, like I was sort of saying, has seen, has been at Sion, he's been at Palermo, he's been at Crete, he's been at Pisa, he's been at Milan, he's been at Napoli. You know, that that's actually more of a Carlo Ancelotti style, you know, growth in a way as a manager. Not Carlo Ancelotti, yeah, Carlo Ancelotti style growth as a manager. You know, considering he was at Parma, he was at uh, a few other clubs before. So let me just quickly jump onto it so I'm not getting this incorrect. So yeah, so he's got Palmer in there. He's got a few other sides. So it's kind of, there's to a point, you know, there's a, there's a directory up or there is this straight in. And that's what Perlo's got. And it, it's more of a gamble because he's not learned his trade. Is it also, I think, it, I mean, it, you know, there's uh, the, the trend at the moment is to not have someone who is telling them how to do everything, but it is literally a guy who is more of a figurehead, more of a coach, someone that will let the guys above him just go, look, we're giving you these players, do your best with this. And ultimately, those people are seen as almost interchangeable parts in a sense. It's just interesting. I think the two greatest managers, maybe just in the Premier League, Jürgen Klopp and, and Guardiola, obviously have a very specific philosophy. They they are coaching in depth on the pitch. There's a, there's a tactical nous there that I think is, is above most coaches in the game. It's just interesting to see other clubs, I think, they do seem more like facilitators of top-level talent where it's, yeah, just do your best. Try and bring it all together and we'll see what happens. It seems like that's quite a gamble for huge clubs such as Juventus who are not satisfied with winning the Champions League to go, go on, Perlo, first job in management, see what you can do. Do you think it's also just trendy to have younger managers now? There's, you know, there's there's been a shift in that terms in, in terms of seeing people globally who are in charge. You know, there are a lot younger prime ministers, there's younger people at you know, uh, points of managerial excellence. And you, you mentioned the marketing aspect. I think Juventus as well have become, and they've made no secret of their desire to become a, a lifestyle brand, almost like PSG and their sort of Jordan tie-in. I think Juventus are aspiring to be something like that. Does Sari smoking on the touchline fit into that image? No. Does Perlo drinking a glass of wine, etc.? I think it, yeah, I think sure. it does if you... But I think it does if you... Um, if you marked it correctly, it's just that Sari, uh, you know, Sari could have become this beloved sort of storied manager and that could have been another aspect of their marketing. I just think it, it, some people are also just quite lazy in the way they think about things. I think that's a real problem as well. Just to finish then, there has started to be some rumbling, some rumours that, you know, Ronaldo could be dissatisfied with what's going on at Juventus. He could potentially be looking across via George Mendes to PSG and thinking, hmm, do you know what? I've got one or two more years left. That could be the club to ply my trade. I don't have to try very hard Neymar, week in, week out. Yeah, I just, yeah. you know, I give it 50% week in, week out in Liga and I save myself for the, the six or so important games towards the end of the year in April, May. <laughs> That's my best chance to win the Champions League. Juventus, they can maybe get a nice little fee in. They could rebuild the team a little bit around Perlo's. I don't know if Ronaldo's philosophy. thinking about Juventus though. Do you think, Dave, do you think that makes sense? That could be the way to go. Yeah, get rid of if Ronaldo you want to now. continue losing, yeah, fine, cool. Go to PSG. <laughs> I don't if the Juventus want to continue. What, PSG? Do you not think he could be the final piece of the puzzle? It makes no, sense. They, they, it's the squad is a bag of shit. Like, they've built a shit squad. Like, it's as bad as Juve's squad. Like, it's so imbalanced. They have two of the best four players in world football, and then they have everyone else. 
And then if you get three of the best forward players, could that be enough yeah, to fly you to Champions that, League glory? That, that worked for the Galacticos early 2000s, didn't it? <laughs> that just worked on point. All right, you're, you're poking holes. You're poking very significant holes. <laughs> Sorry, Boltwood. No, I just say, you know, that whole PSG Jordan thing <laughs> makes me feel sick. You didn't You didn't like it, Dave? It's just the whole thing. It's just mar- like, it, it's that type of thing. I find more, more like, just a bit, it's like, for example, I like Red Bull. I like RB Leipzig. I think they do the right thing, right? I like that. But it feels like Juve is just this, like, it's almost like backhanded marketing. That they're, they're, they're bringing the Nike, they're bringing Jordan together. They're trying to become a global global brand. PSG. And then yeah. when you look behind yeah, the owners, yeah. you're just like, fuck. Like, at least Red Bull are bloody honest about it. Like, that's the thing. Like, PSG just feels like they're creeping in. They're creeping into your mindset. You know, oh, yeah, all these, all these sports stars and celebrities wear our brands because it's cool. Fuck off. They fucking pay him money for it. It just feels dirty. PSG feels very dirty to me at the moment. I fucking hope Atalanta give him a fucking good slap in in the Champions League, all right? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's, let's, let's talk about your team. Now, obviously, through to the semi-finals of the Europa League championship uh, of the world, please, Bob. Can you call it its correct yeah. title? Thank you. Championship of the world. I don't. know. I mean, when's that ever been? There? Is that Have what the Europa League's called now? The Europa. No, no. The, the it's funny, Dave. I, I've never heard Europa that because the only of the world, the only globally recognised trophy, is currently held by who, Dave? What do you mean? The NBA, what? the NFL. Oh, Liverpool. No, no mate. No, the, the Europa you. League's a big one, Thank Lawrence. You. As they, as they talk, take it serious in, in Sevilla, you know, it's a big one. Before we talk yeah. about the Europa League, Dave, uh, no, what, what, what is going on with Jaden Sancho? Because I thought this was all going to be wrapped up by the start of August. It is. It is. It's done. Why are we giving these people the platform forward? What's the point? It's a bag of shit. <laughs> He's nailed on. It's not. Is he a Manchester United player? Has he? I haven't seen him holding up the number seven shirt. What's going on? Oh, he's just flapping. It's so seven. funny. I find it hilarious. Like people just listen to journos too much. Just don't listen to them. It's a waste of time. So what? what they literally what? The, all the reports. The player wants to move to Manchester United. He's agreed a deal with Manchester United. They are really? just working out how the fee goes across. That's it. Right. So what is it? Is it Western Union? Yeah. Is it bank transfers? Do you want it up front? Do you want it installments? What's this Champions League clause? What's the Ballon d'Or clause? Can we PayPal you half of it now? Want to take it on a direct debit? You know what I mean? Just that type of vibe. Okay, good. Nothing's changed. It just happens every single time United are in with a player. Like, it's just incredible how much the media makes fucking money off this bullshit. 
it's fascinating. The amount of stories that will come out that will have ads on those pages that will make these companies money. It's just nuts. They're not saying anything. It did seem to change like five times a day. Though. I was just like, "What the hell's going?" I couldn't follow the. I lost the thread of it completely. It's I just thought it'd be a United player Bruce, by now. Bruce, I mean, it's Bruce all done now. Are a, bit, are a bit, you know, a little bit dodge when they come to these matters. You see this stuff today again. <laughs> I, I am monitoring this situation, Boltwood, but I'm also ignoring Dude, you're it. You're making a lot of accusations in this one. Day. Yes, bit. you already got it. <laughs> What do you mean, Dave? Well, they're doing um, today. They basically all of their players have released statements along the lines of Jaden Sancho is staying at Borussia Dortmund. He's a world class player. Harlan, right. well, how's that dodgy, Boltwood? How's that, do- Boltwood? Tell me how that's dodgy. That's coming from the club. That's coming from a power of negotiation. It's just, I'd probably do it. It's a good idea, what but you, you gotta say, guys, guys, that's a bit naughty. Okay. Okay. I mean, you're saying they're applying social pressure on him, sort of, so that so that Jaden Sancho feels peer pressure to stay yeah. at Dortmund for one more season, right? Do they not? Yeah, okay. Well, you just told me the deals agree, though, Dave. So I haven't said no, I've oh, okay, said no comment. Sorry. I've just said what oh, I've read right. from the situation. <laughs> the, the first time you said that. <laughs> I'm not sure I once heard Dave say no comment during this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But okay. Yeah. That's when you know something's going wrong. If I say no comment, something's fucking up. Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. All right. It's very convoluted, though. Yeah. Let's talk about the actual football, then. They're through to the semi-final of the Europa League. They're facing Sofia Will Sancho play? on Sunday. Yeah. Will Sancho be on the pitch, Dave? That's what we all <laughs> yeah, want to know. Will, yes, yeah, no, no. Wow. Uh, do you give them a chance against Sofia, Dave? Like, how do you do I give there? them a chance? I'm just saying. I'm bloody elbow. Are you? They're very... They're, they're, they look very fatigued. They look very tired. It's been a long sort of uh, restart True. for them. You know, could Sevilla take look, advantage of that lethargy? That's oh, what I'm, I'm going to throw something Sevilla, out here, guys. It's maybe a bit of a dodgy comment, but... <laughs> okay. Another one. <laughs> I think it was a bit of a mistake playing the finals in Portugal and Germany, considering where they are in Europe and the temperature, X, Y, and Z. It's leading to a pretty bad tournament. Iceland would have been the ideal location. Or Greenland. <laughs> nice. Or Greenland. Classically, the European hub <laughs> of football. Canada. Let's take it to Canada, yeah. Lawrence. You know what? I wouldn't have been against saying, why don't we take the Champions League global? Yeah. We can why go not? Saudi Arabia, is it, you know, or break it in. Is it not going to cool down sufficiently enough before Sunday, Dave, that United could maybe uh, pet themselves up before this game? Well, well, I hope so, because they didn't play very well against Copenhagen. I, I, you know, all the things floating yeah, around. Oh, United had loads of chances. Oh, the keeper had a really good game. Didn't think the keeper was that good. He made saveable saves. <laughs> he just made Average saves. Like, uh, yeah, you know, one 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 that was good that was offside anyway. Like, cool. United failed to create any big opportunities in that game. There, the, wow. the, 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 the sort of the possession play was shocking from the back. Like, yeah. they need to work mm-hmm. on that. That's something that they need to get past because. They keep doing the same thing over and over again and don't expect teams to not react to what they're doing and play a 4-4-2 and, and press them in certain ways to stop them playing out the bat. Then there's a problem. They need to tweak things. That's the thing. They need to tweak things in game. They're not doing that at the moment, which leads to these turgid games where Harry Maguire will have the ball for so long, he'll, 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 you won't be able to play through the middle. So hit a long switch out, he'll go out of play or the player will miscontrol it and they'll lose possession. There's problems. Uh, but the, the good thing with... I think I would have feared United playing Wolves more than playing Sevilla because Sevilla like to play with the ball. They play it from the back. They like to dominate possession, whereas Wolves would have sat off and defended right. and counter-attacked, which would have been probably they would have beaten Manchester United. But I give United a lot more now they're playing Sevilla. So, 
I mean, you must be excited potentially then if they do get through to the final, the prospect of Manchester United playing Manchester United from no, two or three years I ago. Lukaku, Sanchez, I don't Ashley want Young. It. That, this is That'd classic football manager. Player comes back to old club, Revenge. scores a goal. Revenge. Romelu Lukaku, shirt off. Fuck yeah. you, Oligana Solskjaer written on it. Yeah, I do feel like that <laughs> that could happen, Lawrence, couldn't it? Lukaku takes his revenge. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's be clear. Both these clubs need to make it to the final first. Mm, of we course, sorry, sorry, sorry. Final, yeah, I think I think we're we're assuming this to be a foregone conclusion. I'm getting too excited. I'm looking too far ahead. You know, severe is in the way. Yeah, you are actually. It's sort of, it's upsetting me in a sense. Uh, <laughs> the disrespect because. Uh, the, yeah, Sevilla deserve more respect. These guys are what the the most successful club ever in the Europa League. Uh, yeah, they, they won it. Did they win it three times back to back? I well, believe. Technically, they are. They are the you know the Europa League champions of the world the most times. <laughs> so to speak. I don't know why you keep saying that, Dave. It's literally not a thing. Hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, I see what you're saying. But I, I, I think the narrative there is perfect. I personally think the Manchester United should have looked at Conte at one point, uh, and I think Conte will feel. Like he needs to go and get revenge for that. If if we can portray Manchester United as the bad guys in this, then I'll be forever grateful. This multi-million pound club that squandered so many great opportunities to build so much better than it already has is languishing <laughs> in the Europa League right now, Goldwood. These bad guys need to be taken out by young, plucky, uh, toys, the rejected toys of the island. Sanchez and, and Lukaku or it's a broken they're like so Manchester United is Sid and Inter are the toys in Toy Story they must wreak revenge <laughs> some of these metaphors are going unbelievable the, the, um, they're perfect probably. the interesting side with Inter have you read anything about the that Conte may not be manager next season there's Ooh, a big I break mean, between board and manager at the moment, or board and head coach. He says he wants more investment, although he's then also saying it's not about the investment. <laughs> Very cryptic. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that was a pretty, it was a pretty interesting press conference he gave, didn't he? He sort of said he hadn't been defended enough. There wasn't the support or the backing of, of the hierarchy, it seemed to, seemed to say. Conte needs to fall in. I think Conte is another one of those managers that goes, look, I need complete backing. I need, and the whole club needs to be mine. I think he's a little bit of a megalomaniac. Uh, I, I think when we did the documentary on him for TFR, I can't remember what the, uh, I think the phrase is something like Fadega uh, Gaveta or something like that. Basically, he earned his stripes and now he's the general and he wants to be, you know, the guy who's in charge of everything. And I think get into that's probably not possible right now. Okay, Dave, Sevilla then, come on. Tell me why Manchester United are going to get through to this final with Inter Milan. Explain to Well, I think it's uh, the tactical side of things. Um just to bore the, the listeners, uh, Sevilla build in a uh, 3-2-5. They attack with both their wing backs, inside forwards come inside, which leaves them really open to the counter attack. They sit with um, Fernando, ex-Manchester City player. He likes to drop between the centre-backs as a half-back to make a back three, which leads Eva Benega and Jordan, or Jordan uh, in midfield. And they are very suspect. You literally just said the same name twice there. So there's an opportunity for the break. Uh, I also this morning watched um, a lot of severe conceding goals against the top sides in La Liga, Barca, Real, Atletico. Um, and you can catch... Just to sign yourself up. For a video, Warrens, for content. Okay. Uh, Come on, man. Don't be such a just don't be such pumped. a bully these days because you don't have to make content anymore. You're just the guy behind the camera. 
What? I don't believe I said that. Back to it, Dave. Dave shushed me a second ago, and now he's making now he's just got in furious accusations. Dave, for anyone who's just listening to this, Dave just pulled his trousers down. Then had he got a little penis? It's incredible. It was a quite stunning display of dominance, I'd say, Dave. Yeah, it's, it had stats all over it, and then he said that's the number three. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Keep that's going. what they call the uh, Saint Maximum in the trade. That Lawrence, the old helicopter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I feel like we've taken you ever so slightly off topic, Dave. You can basically catch Sevilla from when they're building from their goal kicks before they get into their possession shape. They throw the fullbacks too high quickly um, and you can block space off from either Benega to progress to either the inside forwards or to Jordan um, and you can catch them. Atletico did that quite well. They scored the Joel Felix goal they scored was good. Basically that kind of set play. Uh, sitting in a mid-block waiting to go. You can also catch them high. Barca caught them high uh, from a goal kick. and it, it, They basically sat off, allowed Fernando to get possession like he like there was no one around him. Suarez hit him on the blind side. Franca Dion hit him through the middle. They nicked the ball and scored a goal through Dembele. So there's this Sevilla team is, is, you know, think of them as basically like a bit of a budget Pep Guardiola Man City side where there is massive opportunity to catch them out when they're building. And that's what United need to do, as well as, I think, the counter-attack, it, it, they're open again. Like, if you sit deep in with five and, and three, you know, United should be playing two centre-mids and attacking midfielder in Bruno, but in their own defensive third, they need to flatten. Bruno needs to come in between them and they need to spread across the pitch so they can deal with either Benega. Benega sits quite wide, sits like in the Tony Cruz position, you know, that sort of left-half position. Um, so they need to deal with him pressurise him in the in the in Man United's defensive third. That is key. Paul Pogba has got a big, big job on his hands. Not only has he got to, you know, play forward, link the attack and so forth, but he has to be able to defend against Eva Benega. He positionally needs to be good. He needs to be reactive and quick. Because if you can catch Eva Benega in that position, you have Fernandinho and two, Fernando sorry, and two centre halves to deal with, which Rashford, Martial and Bruno Fernandes will destroy. So there's opportunity there's massive opportunity here to beat them. Mm, feels like that. Yeah, there's definitely weaknesses to exploit. I mean, if they do get through to this final, uh, Lawrence, uh, and they lose to Inter, no, if they get through to this final, and you know, potentially Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has lifted the Europa League, he's finished third in the league this season. It does feel like quite a remarkable turnaround from where we were at the start of the season, where obviously the doubts were rife, where there was talk of get Pochettino in ASAP. It does feel like now his job's secure. It feels like you know he's building something at Manchester United, regardless of whether they they win this Europa League. Now. I think it's great that this job's secure. I, I, uh, I think a lot of people didn't doubt him at uh, this level. I think there was a lot more doubt over whether he could take him to the very top. Um, and I think a lot of people, for that reason, criticised the long-term vision. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, actually Manchester United have got some very likeable players. He's, he's sitting on a very talented squad as well, which is fantastic. And he's getting the best out of them. Um, and I think at the moment, there is a lot more personal uh, motivation at Manchester United to you know, prove themselves. And that's had to go full circle in terms of narrative. Because before, I think that the players were feeling quite down, very demoralised. And actually, it's taken Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and credit to him for doing this, a very long time to remove the cloud of Jose Mourinho from that club. And I think quite a few fans who have had Jose Mourinho at their club will know what I mean by that. It takes quite a while to get over Mourinho, whether it's positive or negative. I actually think, you know, Chelsea had that for at least a decade after Mourinho's first tenure, uh, where 
they were still a little bit obsessed with finding another Jose or still a little bit obsessed with playing a certain way. And, you know, there were still players who felt loyal to him. I think really at Manchester United, a lot of people had had ingrained in them that they were not good enough, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very difficult to prove that you are good enough um, when a lot of people in the media, first of all, back Jose and believe in his judgments. But secondly, uh, when you haven't been playing well, and weirdly, and maybe you know, a lot of people have been taking part in this. A lot of people are very ready to damn someone after half a bad season, in the same way as they're ready to heap praise on people after half a good season. I think you're right. And the Solskjaer has made United feel very exciting again for the first time in a long time. And he is very likable as well. I do hope he wins the Europa League. But at the same time, I think we're going to see Romelu Lukaku's bag a nice hat trick in the final, and uh, <laughs> that. which would be nice to see do, as well. You really, you are getting I mean, bitter really think... with this Jose Mourinho oh, club. You're really becoming not, Jose, I'm aren't not. you? There's just a cloud over my head at all times. But uh, apart from Look, that, mate, yeah, it, ha- it happened to I'm me. Sure Baldwin, it's happy, difficult though. to get over. It really is. But to be fair, you have you have taken on the demeanour of Jose mm. a little bit. You are a little more, you know, you do look quite embittered, yeah. quite hunched quite over, angry. quite angry. I think it's just the heat. Uh, you hate young players all of a sudden. I don't. These are spurious. Again, this podcast has been filled of spurious accusations thrown at each other. Well, Pierre-Emile Hoysberg surely is a great signing for you guys. Um, I'm, I'm happy. I'm kind of, I'm not going to pretend I've seen a lot of Southampton. I think that... From what I've seen of him and what I've heard of him, he does address some issues in our squad. And I think he will be a useful asset for Jose Mourinho to build the team in the way he wants to. I have been kind of somewhat given pause for thought by a lot of lukewarm reception I've seen on Twitter towards him. Dave, I mean, maybe you can clue me up. A lot of people saying, oh, yeah, he's got he's got some of the qualities that Spurs are lacking and they need, but he's not that good. Yeah, he's massive. He's one of the most underrated central midfielders in the Premier League, in my opinion. Yeah. Dave, you and I, <laughs> I covered him. How long I, ago? I can't believe that Spurs have got a way of getting him for so cheap. Oh, brilliant. Uh, okay, uh, that's, that's made me feel a lot more positive about it now. Like, in terms of ball recoveries, he's like number one in the Premier League this season from central midfield. Uh, his progressive passing stats are very, very good. He's got very good underlying numbers. Uh, it'd be a wonderful mm. signing for you. And it, it, it's very Mourinho sign, I think. He's quite a Mourinho central midfielder. He's a player that would likely excel under Jose. Mm. And I'm hoping him him coming in, potentially, I mean, we'll see what happens. Him there doing that job in midfield will potentially free up someone like Endombele. Um, and hopefully we're actually able to see something from him this season. We'll see if that actually happens. He's, he's but, just not going to play again, but we'll get over it. Also, yeah, I think he could easily go that way. In recent it? years, Southampton fans have taken a little bit of uh, the tack of every time someone takes someone from their club, they go... Oh, you've not really got someone who's that good. We didn't really like him that much anyway. Um, and and it causes a bit of a lukewarm reception at the new club sometimes because people go, well, Southampton said they won't miss him. And it's like, well, you've just sold us Virgil van Dijk. You're yeah. saying you're not going to miss him. Um, yeah. That's mental. Uh, and I think the same happens here as so well. You're saying Hoijberg will be Spurs' van Dijk. That's what you've basically said. Yeah, excellent. So, it's just me and you now, Dave. Um the real duo, the real geniuses of this podcast. Um, and we are talking about Bayern Munich to finish up. Uh, of course, they take on Barcelona on Friday in the Champions League quarterfinals. So who are you backing and why is it Bayern Munich? Easy. They are so good. And as I've been saying, are you not giving Barcelona a chance? Not even a sniff. I've been saying since well, Hansi Flick wow. took over, like, this team is unbelievable. This is the best pressing team in the world. This is the best attacking team in the world. This is the best defensive side in the world. They've got it all. They're complete, Bolwood. Complete. Wow. I mean... 
definitely on the goal scoring front, obviously <laughs> a resounding win over Chelsea in the previous round. Everyone, I think, saw the stats that it's 27-6 as an aggregate score if you look at Bayern versus London in their last three Champions League games. And of course, they've got that unbelievable firepower, not least, of course, in the intimidating form of Robert Lewandowski, Day 50 goals this season, absolutely robbed of the Ballon d'Or as well. It's a disgrace. This it, guy it is dis- would have been nailed on. Disgusting. I'm trying to think of what his Gary Goals <laughs> name would be. What's the Polish Gary Goals called? Uh, Peter, Piotr something? P- Piotr yeah, Golski. Piotr Pens? Yeah. Piotr Pens. <laughs> yeah, Piotr Pensky. There you go. We can think about that one. Yeah, no, the, the man is, is, is back to the best. Like, the Borussia Dortmund Lewandowski was my favourite. Lewandowski is a player that would bring people into play, would hold up the ball, would score, would would create, would do a bit of everything. I think we're seeing that again. Pep Guardiola, as I have said many times on this podcast, he hurt Lewandowski's career. He played him in a, in a role that didn't really suit him. And I think the style didn't suit him. You know, Lewandowski's fantastic when teams play direct into his feet and he can allow people to get involved. You know, take the other night, he created the most chances on the pitch, two assists as well against Chelsea. Like that just sums him up as a player. You know, he's Bayern's top scorer in the Champions League. He's Bayern's top assistant in the Champions League. He should win the Ballon d'Or by a country mile. And I think, you know, if you look at French football, the people that do the Ballon d'Or, why are they not doing the Ballon d'Or? Oh, Ligue 1 didn't finish. But I think with Lewandowski and, 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 and Muller, for example, like they've got a really good understanding together. It's like they've played their entire careers together. They have played pretty much half their careers together. But now we're seeing the, the fluidity and the pressing and the, the ability to connect that midfield and attack with, with Muller, but also Serge Gnabry. And we're seeing Perisic now come in for the injured Kingsley Coman. And I think the this Bayern team looks deadly. Like all of that front four can score, all of that front four can create, all of that front four work exceedingly hard off the ball. They're basically the perfect four right now in modern football. And Bayern in this 4-2-3-1, it's back to the treble days. It's back to the days when they won wow. the treble in 2000. And when was it? 10, 11, 12, 13, 13, 13. 2013. I'm going to go with. That's the thing, because you look at this team and, well, Hansi Flick, as you said, he's come in and done a fantastic job. He obviously was Niko Kovac's assistant manager. He was given the, the position in an interim basis, but of course sufficiently impressed to get himself a three-year contract now as the manager. And they could potentially emulate Henker's treble-winning team, of course, with a League Cup and Champions League treble. Um, just what impact do you think he's made or, or, or what has he brought to the club? Because obviously at one point they were seventh, I think. They were seven points adrift of Borussia Dortmund. Obviously led them to their eighth successive title. It's been ridiculous. It really has. It's been, this is one of the biggest impacts a manager's ever made mid-season. You know, you can think of it, if we you know, sort of coined the term for our you know, fans that just watch the Premier League, Think about how like David Moyes was at Manchester United. That is how Nico Kovac was at Bayern Munich. You know, he's a manager that were, that favoured the underdog in, in Frankfurt. Really succeeded as the underdog. They counterattacked really, really well. They're explosive on the break. But when you come to a big team, you need to be more than just a counterattacking team. And that's the problem that Bayern have to take the initiative in games. And what Hansi Flick's built, the best thing he's built is the possession game that they've got taking parts of Guardiola's possession play, but marrying that with the sort of more direct Gagan pressing style where if you if you can go long, if you can go direct, if you can break the lines quickly, they go and do that. I think their their build up is is sensational when, you know, having Goretzka and Kimmich in midfield when Benjamin Pavard was in the team, Pavard holding that uh, Alfonso Davies flying down the wing and creating a you know band of five behind Lewandowski. But now we're sort of seeing a little bit of a switch. Obviously Thiago came in against Chelsea and 
I criticised Thiago, not not with his ability, with his ability to control games of football and play, but his injury record is shocking. And like, if we look at it like a player at the top level, it's shocking. You know, it's not good enough to be that next level. Like he has the talent to be a, a Xavi, an Iniesta, but it's the injury record that's held him back. But I think we might see the classic Thiago at the back end of this Champions League campaign. You know, his little feints, his ability to, to, to switch the play and play out of a press. Did that really well against Chelsea. You know, taking it, keeping it nice and simple, moving the ball and then manipulating out wide to Kimmich or Al Davies out wide. And I think this is why this Bayern team is so good because they have so many different aspects of this one side. You know, we talk about the front four. We talk about the midfield. We talk about Kimmich. We're not even mentioning that David Alaba, who has been sort of reinvented as a centre-half, a bit of a libero, his ability to play forward and play out the back is, is sensational. I think that's why Bayern is so hard to play because you have to deal with absolutely everything and then they're the best pressing team in Europe. So for me, that for me that from, from my eye view, so me watching Bayern Munich, they are the best pressing team in Europe. But looking at the statistics, Boltwood, is backed up. So if you look at every team in Europe's top five leagues, Bayern have the highest success rate in terms of their pressing. So the amount of presses they make to successful presses, Bayern, numero uno. Mm, I mean, it has been very impressive, but it was almost surprising to see him thrive in the role, seeing as he hasn't had a first-team managerial position this decade. I mean, he does have the pedigree, I guess, from being the assistant manager to Germany, uh, the World Cup winning side there. Yeah, you know what it makes me think? It makes me think that Joachim Love was, was a bit of a... almost the front man. The front man of this. Because how that Bayern, how the how Bayern have evolved and how that Germany side evolved from playing that sort of rigid counter-attacking 4-2-3-1 to basically playing a 3-4-3 with a false nine at the end of it. That sounds like an innovator is in there. And Hansi Flick is an innovator. I think we've seen that from Bayern. So I think a lot of success that Germany have had, I would potentially say the credit has got to go to Hansi Flick. Wow. Oh, so you're saying it's, everything is down to Hansi Flick, nothing I, down to Jürgen Love. That's the, no, no, the no, conclusion. No, not everything, Boltwood. I'd say the, <laughs> the, the tactical and technical side of how Germany improved over the last 10 years at national team level, I would give him a lot of credit over, over the manager. Because I think, you know, the manager position at international level is an interesting one. You are more of a spokesman, more of a PR guy. And then you bring the coaches around you that are obviously top of your FA and then they will do the work. That's kind of how I see it. I don't see him as a hands-on manager. I think it's he's a bit, of a bit of a scratcher, you know, stands back and scratches rather than really getting hands involved. <laughs> That's, that's a good way to put it. Is there a weakness then that Barcelona can potentially exploit on Friday to give them a chance? I mean, I've seen people talk about Manuel Neuer and Jordan Boateng as potential weak links. Obviously, the latter probably having a few sleepless nights this week, remembering what Messi did to him when they faced off in 2015. This Barca team's absolute trash, Boltwood. I've been saying <laughs> it for years. Really, I believe yeah. it. Like, I believe yeah. it. I believe Liverpool would come back against them. I just did. There's just weakness there. They're so weak. They have the best player of all time and they've not been mm. able to build a system around him since Luis Enrique. Like it's, it's, a situ- it's a complete systematic institutional failure by Barcelona not to win more Champions Leagues with Lionel Messi. And I, I think 100%. if you look at this Barca team, like they still have these wily old heads. Suarez is still there. Vidal is still there. Like these players should have been binned ages ago. Like they've not played Frankie de Jong in a double pivot yet, deep in midfield to allow him to control the <laughs> tempo. He's still playing high. Did they watch Ajax last season or were they just like completely blinkered? I, I 
think you should be given a chance. I know, obviously, there's very serious issues you've pointed out there, but being a one-leg knockout tie now, you can never count out a team of Messi in. I think he's going to be ready for this tie. I think he's going to be doing everything he can to win this game. I mean, my money's on Bayern, but I just think I I want to give Barcelona a bit of a chance. No, rule them out. Can't wait for the hate. Barcelona fans absolutely hate me online these days uh, just because of my abuse in Barcelona of recent years, but I just think, no. Thank Thomas you, Muller looks so, so pumped. Did you hear, did you see the quote pre-Chelsea game? It was something along the lines of like, when your enemy's down, we got to finish him off. Stamp on their heads. That's <laughs> obviously a slightly different to that, it. but that's what I took from it. And I think that's what, if you watch Thomas Muller playing right now, fucking hell, he's motivated. He is so hyped. And I think that it, this, this Bayern team was going to eat this Barca team. Barcelona <laughs> under Setien are so slow oh, out yeah. of the back. What are Bayern Munich so good at, Boltwood? Pressing. Bang! It's a full circle. We've completed the podcast. Thank you. And good night. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.